welcome to episode 321 of Cinematary. I'm your host, Zach Dennis, and I'm here with... Ash Baker. And today, we are joined by two special guests who are going to educate Ash and I on Hocus Pocus, Grace Winburn and Nia Rincon. Nia, Grace, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having Thank you so much for having us. We're, so it's going to be it, it'll be good because uh, as we established before we started recording, uh, both Ash and I watched uh, Hocus Pocus for the very first time ever uh, to, for this episode. And so it's good that we'll have two, you know, Hocus Pocus scholars on and then we can just be the, the you know, idiot plebeians when it comes to uh, magical knowledge. <laughs> Awesome. Yes. Well, before we, as always, in part one, we're going to be talking about movies that we saw this week. And in part two, like I mentioned, we'll be talking about 1993's Hocus Pocus as part of our Horror for Kids series. Uh, real quickly, head over to Cinematary.com. We have a brand new review. Jessica talked about it last week, but her review of Possessor, the new Brandon Cronenberg movie, is online. We also have Ash's review of The Boys in the Band, which, uh, you know, yay or nay, Ash, is, you know, do you, would you recommend it? Um, if you want to, oh man, you, you can't ask me that. <laughs> it's a thumbs up or thumbs down. Um, if, if this were 1970, thumbs up. <laughs> this podcast isn't 2020, Ash. It's a, we'll do a thumb sideways. We'll do one of those sure, things. Sure, sure. Since, uh, but if, if you're you're like, what what is Ash talking about? Do they like have something against the boys in the band? I don't know. Let's read the review on Cinematary.com. It's a perfect promo. Congrats, you know, good job. So, we have that on the website if you'd like to check it out. But let's go ahead and jump into movies that we saw this week. And I'm gonna kick us off with, uh, I got two new releases, both available on Netflix. The very first one is called Dick Johnson is Dead. It's the latest film from Kirsten Johnson, who is a a longtime documentary cinematographer. She's shot a number of documentaries um, over her career. This is her second uh, film that she's done. Her her first one, Camera Person, is a is a high recommend. It's a it came out I want to say two or three years ago. Um, it's available on the Criterion Channel, and is uh, this collection of like kind of b-roll off footage from her various like documentary career it's a good it's a good it's a good one so check that one out um dick johnson is dead though is about her 86 year old father who uh she decides to uh create this film as kind of like a celebration of his life and kind of the last years of his life as a way to kind of memorialize him and, and remember him in a way uh that she you know that she would like to rather than um Kind of the way she talks a lot about her mother who died of Alzheimer's and how she um, she didn't have uh, much footage like any any recorded footage of her. She had photos and stuff, but in terms of like uh, of like recordings of her, you know, as a especially as a filmmaker, she just didn't really have anything except for this one uh, sequence that you see uh, during the film where uh, it's kind of the Alzheimer's is kind of set in and she, and she doesn't really remember Kirsten much at all. And so she decides to do this to kind of memorialize her father, give him just this, uh, you know, this kind of chaotic fantasy, uh, you know, movie making, you know, whole, uh, memorial. And, um, it's a super sweet movie. I, you know, it's, it's one that, uh, I think the premise of it where you're just like, yeah, it's, it's, she's, she's creating this thing to, uh, 
uh, you know, half before her father dies, um, is is a little bit morbid. But there's something um, there's something really touching about the, uh, the the way she handles it. I mean, she's a very generous, very um, you know it seems like a very caring filmmaker and, and this, and it comes across in that, like where she's, she's really exploring like the, you know, the nature of, of filmmaking and how it really is this, this, this vehicle, this, um, you know, this, this tool to, uh, capture memories in a way, unlike anything else, you know, you can write about somebody, you can take a picture of somebody, but to to be able to film somebody or record somebody, uh, especially in the way that she does, you know, you have, I mean, for the most part, it's a typical documentary. You have her kind of talking with her dad or following her dad around and just kind of interacting with her family in that way. But then you also have like these, these fantasy sequences where, uh, you know, he's he's uh, like a part of this large dance number or they have like these extravagant sequences that seem like it's, you know, cut like right out of like a like a 1920s, 1930s musical um, that are just like flushed with color. It, ironically enough, it kind of reminds me of like the um, <laughs> which which are vastly different documentaries but the the act of killing by joshua oppenheimer <laughs> um which has like these like which has like those like really flush lively sequences where they're like re you know recounting the whole acts of that movie but it's mm-hmm. kind of like that where you just have like these like hyper realized se- segments where um there's like this you know uh, there's all this color and all this lighting and he's like reacting in this very like um uh you know, uh, just kind of just crazy way. And so, um, overall, it's just this really touching piece of, of filmmaking. And and at least for me, I was thinking a lot about how, um, about how, how movies and especially documentaries are just able to catch capture people and really kind of bottle up the energy of like that period of their life and you you know have this this thing that you can watch whenever and so even if you know her father dies you're able to experience him in in all the liveliness that he had uh through movies and so it's kind of a nice also little little testament to to the power of movie making so i would recommend it it's um it's 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 really worth your time and it is available on netflix the other the other one in terms of like wholesome netflix content is uh is uh hubie halloween or if the uh the proper name is hubert hallows eve but you know we'll we'll go with hubie halloween for for now Uh, it's the latest Adam Sandler movie on Netflix. Um, <laughs> it, it features most of the of the of the uh, of the you know the typical players, but this one uh, has Adam Sandler. He plays Hubie Dubois, who lives in Salem, Massachusetts, which is really just being featured heavily in this episode, I guess, um, because I don't think you can have anything Halloween related that's not you know, based in Salem, Massachusetts. Of course. But I agree. <laughs> that seems to be like the rule. And so he, uh, he, he's, it, Hubie is super into Halloween. Like he just, he likes to make sure everybody's having a good time, that they're not getting in trouble, what? that they're not going overboard, but you know, something, something fishy's happening in Salem this Halloween. And so he has to, he has to go investigate it. Um, yeah, you know that's a that's about it. You kind of I like I I'll say with this. I don't know. Maybe I've I've um 
Maybe I've turned a corner with Adam Sandler. Maybe uncut gym. I, like I'm just one of those people that uncut gyms just did something where I just turned a corner with him. But uh, this one, I feel like especially compared to a lot of his recent stuff, like I'm not a giant. I really just can't do like the um, the Western one that he did on Netflix or the grown up movies or mystery. Yeah, like that. But some of those, I like. I just I can't hang with it. But this one, this one's a li- is, is a lot more tame. It's a lot. It's really. Um, it really just has this kind of genuine spirit to it. it it's not, it, it's it's very much. I saw somebody on Letterboxd who was like, "Yeah, it's a movie that instead of, and this is a good way of describing it. Instead of being built on bits, it's built on gags. It's very like old school in that fashion. It's built on." There's this, the, there's like this running gag throughout the entire movie where whenever Hubie's like riding his bike through town, people just start launching stuff at him, and so like he's riding his bike and you just see, you see stuff just like being thrown at his head, and Adam Sandler's like ducking and everything, and it's super silly and super <laughs> stupid, but he, it it happens every time he rides his bike, and so by like the fifth time, it's kind of like oh yeah, it's everybody's throwing it at Hubie, you know. Um, and it also just the the thing that really works with this movie is that it really just sets up like this really pleasant uh, world. Like you have just these, I mean, it's this silly, absurd Adam Sandler universe characters. I mean, Kevin James is here just kind of doing his thing. Uh, <laughs> Steve Buscemi shows up and, and thinks he's a werewolf, which is very entertaining. Um, Rob Schneider uh, appears for a little while. Ray Liotta shows up in like this role where all he does is insults Adam Sandler's character. Yeah, it's just it's super strange. But the like the sweetest thing is that Julie Bowen, who uh, it, it, you know was the love interest for Adam Sandler in, in Happy uh, Happy Gilmore, she plays his love interest in this, and it's just like the most pure, like mm-hmm. sweetest little love, little love thing going on, little romance. Um, I really liked it. I like if you're looking for something fun to watch on a on a nice like evening, and I would recommend Hubie Halloween. It's 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 a solid little it's a solid little flick. I really liked it. It's honestly, I'm <laughs> like I would it's rewatch a good it. Flick. If, it's a good little flick. If I, I, I'm, 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 like I would watch it again. If somebody was like, "Yeah, I'm watching Hubert Hallow's Eve," I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm checking in on that. That sounds fun as hell." So, Hubie Halloween. It's on Netflix. <laughs> High recommend. Um, Ash, I'm gonna to- toss it over to you because you have to update the people on the very important issue that is Ash watches Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> yeah, the people, yeah. the people need to know that. Um, you know, my Mads Mickelson journey is coming right along. I've I've hit the uh, twenty movie mark. I've I've finished twenty Mads Mickelson's movies since I finished Hannibal. So um, I'll update you. The best two most recent Mads Mickelson movies I saw were um, the second Pusher movie, Pusher Two, in the Pusher trilogy. Um, is directed by it's 2004 and i butcher this guy's name always but nicholas winding refin refin you got it however the hell you say his name um it's one of his earlier danish movies and it stars mad mickel mads mickelson is like this um he's like in a crime family and he gets released from prison and he's like the total like fuck up of his family and uh his dad is just like hesitant to like give him a job because he's just like a big himbo and um 
And so, like, throughout this entire movie, he's just trying to basically, like, prove himself. And honestly, Loki better than the Godfather. (laughs) (laughs) Big facts Um, here. Whoa. (laughs) um, That is a recommendation. Then um, another most amazing Mads Mikkelsen movie I saw recently was called another Danish movie called a Royal affair. Um, the director's name is Nicolaj Arcel, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> but it stars. So it's about this crazy thing in Danish history that I had no idea about because why would I know Danish history? But it's about in 18th century um, Denmark. The uh, there so the queen, who's played by um, Alicia Vikander, um, like starts having an affair with the king's uh, doctor, who's like a um, he's he's like a enlightenment guy. And Is that Mads like Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the well, doctors. You didn't have to the say it was a doctor. You say it was Mads Mikkelsen. Like, we got it. Yeah, so the doctor's played by Mads <laughs> Mikkelsen. And uh, so Denmark's, like, ruled by these crazy, like, um, it's, like, all basically run by these strict, like, Puritan rules. And it's all, like, um, like, all the laws are made based on these, like, you know, basically, like, fascist Christian rules and there's like sensory laws or censorship laws and stuff it, but um so Mads Mikkelsen is like this doctor but he's like an enlightenment thinker and so he starts fucking the queen and then together they get their um uh they get the king who's like not got all of his screws in right to like pass all these enlightenment laws and it's fucking nuts would recommend so I'm just gonna. Uh, uh, I just want to point out that <laughs> I hope we re- receive angry mail because there's just gonna be like a group of dudes listening to this, and they're just like, first off, better than The Godfather? Are you serious?" <laughs> okay, so like, I don't know if it, it like it's okay. It's not no, better than The no, Godfather, honestly, just, but like, just, like own it. Just own it. No, that's fine. No, I'm just saying, like, they can they can suck it. It's fine. Yes. No, I'm I'm in, like, I'm in your camp. It's like you said what she said. I said what I said, yeah. you know. But it's like the thing about Pusher Two is it okay? So here's here's my letterbox <laughs> review of of Pusher Two. We're bringing out my letterbox it. review in the in this movie. Tell us about it, Pusher Two. In this movie, you will see the fattest joint you have ever seen. Mads Mikkelsen's dick. Oh. A woman, or sorry, a man who refers to himself in the third person as the cunt, um, a woman's entire vagina, and a sleeping baby in a duffel bag. This is the craziest movie I have ever seen. Godfather wishes. Yeah. It wishes. Could never. Godfather could never. <laughs> have the range. The Godfather doesn't have any of that stuff. Coppola doesn't have. Doesn't. <laughs> oh my god! All right, now that's high recommend. I, I I I forgot to mention one thing. I just to take it back to 
uh, Hubie Halloween. J- this was just for Ash, but my letterbox review for Hubie Halloween was <laughs> Hubie Himbo. Because oh, Hubie, yes. Hubie Dubois, strong himbo status. Yes. I'll just say that. So that, that's another. We love a good too. himbo. For it. That's just if that propels the recommendation. There you go. Um, oh, it certainly does. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, it looks like Nia, you had uh, you had a couple movies. Um, one of them we talked about yeah. recently, a Netflix film. But I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on them. Okay, so I'm going to start off both, obviously both Netflix films. The first one was I'm Thinking of Ending Things, and I saw that pretty much um, a few weeks after it came out, unfortunately. But, okay, so it's about... I still have not seen it yet. I'm going to plug my ears while you talk. Because I still really want to see it. I won't spoil it. Um, I won't... I know you won't. There's not, I mean, I guess there is an, an element of spoiler with you just, it just you, do, you, you do such a good job you just say it I, I love listening to you talk okay so this movie is obviously directed by and written by our dog charlie kaufman um it's another kaufman joint um it is <laughs> about um this oh, it's like very hard to describe um, so it's about this woman and this man, and they are going to meet his parents for the first time. And she's not seen; she's seemingly not really that into him, and has lots of inner monologue throughout the entire thing. But things kind of, um, like kind of stop lining up whenever she gets to the in-laws' house, and there's um, some like kind of unnerving um situations and some really uncomfortable moments and some just like just everything just feels really off and as the movie progresses there is seemingly no point to what's happening there's um it's very cerebral it's very much like i was sitting there watching it thinking very hard about what i was watching and truthfully, whenever it ended, I was kind of like, what the fuck was that? Like, I, <laughs> I was like, um, I don't get it per se. And then I saw that it was based on the book. I'm thinking of ending things of the same name. And when I found out what the book was about, I looked at the movie in a new lens and felt that it was really really well done (laughs) so my opinion kind of flip-flopped super hard because it's very hard to convey it's it's hard to talk about it without spoiling um what it's about well i guess so it seemed like it seemed like you you liked it so what like in terms of with, I guess you know we can stay. We spoiled it in the last the last time we talked about it. It's fine. You guys can totally do it. Like I'm a big girl. I can suck it up. I just. I guess. I think almost in a way, like knowing what it's about will help you when you're watching it. Okay. Um, it might. Um. So I mean, like, how did the how did the whole um, like, did you pick up on that it was his story or like what? How did that work for you? Okay, so I literally didn't pick up on it at all. Um, only when she disappeared at the end, and then it shifted into being his perspective and his, um, like driving the motion of everything. And then at the very, very end, with that huge speech in front of the audience, uh, made up of people in old makeup, 
uh, old people makeup. Um, did I realize that it was kind of like a like a weird, almost like a fever dream? Like this man is um, this man is dying, and it's not like I, I knew that there was some connection. Like whenever I first saw the preview, I assumed that it was going to be some kind of weird um, time nonlinear dilation kind of thing like that. And then whenever it started with the flash with the flashes to the janitor um, and his kind of day-to-day events, I was thinking that I knew exactly what it was. And then as everything progressed and as they had to, and as like, I realized that whenever she was thinking in her head, it seemed like he could hear her. um, And like making like he was like he himself was misremembering things or like changing things around for this person who never existed um who was an idolized kind of idea of a girlfriend that he wanted to have based on like someone that he thought was like was uh, really knowledgeable about movies and read Pauline Kale and um you know it was it was <laughs> above everything else it was hard it was a hard one it's it's a movie cuz i've been thinking about this since i watched it cuz i need i definitely need to, need to watch it again before i kind of like have a firm uh just opinion on it cuz it it's a movie that tosses so much at you like all, like i don't see how anybody can like make like a firm judgment on it after just like one viewing because i mean like you said like there's so much stuff being tossed at you and especially once you're kind of unpacking it by the end, you're just like, oh my god! Like there was so much stuff that I didn't, yeah, like that I, I wasn't clued in on until the very end. And so, yeah, yeah, like literally, it took it took um, it was at least like an like an hour and a half, two hour discussion that I had with my partner after we watched it, going through everything, being like, what the fuck was it? like? Well, then what was this? And then once we realized the synopsis of the book going back through those same things and just unpacking everything um, was laborious for sure. But um, the way that it was handled, I feel like was pretty um, visually. Like I love the kind of image of like a desolate snow landscape and wandering around that kind of loneliness in like inside this man's mind and remembering these different events in his life and like uh it's just <laughs> yeah I mean there's just so much that happens and there's so many weird connecting things with like the pig um that was really freaky um and then it comes back later and it's like hey you know it's actually you know it's all right it's okay um <laughs> uh, it's it's it happens it's natural um but it's like a man it's like basically what I imagine like I know he was writing a story for or the character was had been writing stories or a story in his head and then at the end it just kind of devolves into this kind of like dmt when you die (laughs) being released thing that kind of ties it all together um but yeah but something that i thought was funny with both of these movies that i'm talking about are they have a pretty low user rating and a pretty high rotten tomatoes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i'm 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 like hit or miss with kaufman because 
And that's why I kind of want to watch this one again, because there's a lot of the stuff, like, a lot of the points that he's making, especially with, like, the allusions to, to pop culture. Like you mentioned, there's that whole sequence where she's reciting word for word a Pauline Kale review. Um, you have the speech at the end that is, is verbatim the speech from A Beautiful Mind. It's like, and, so, and like, the point of it is, that, like, that, he ha- that he's working off of these... Um, pop culture references to like kind of form his his worldview to an extent and and kind of inform like how he's thinking about these things and I like I I, I guess on a level I I like I it, I dig that to an extent but I also feel like Kaufman kind of and this is just kind of I think this is what he's wanting to do but he plays this line where it's 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 not net, it's not like overly condemning it it's it's kind of you know leaning into it a little bit to kind of explore it but like the way that he teeters with it sometimes i i don't always feel like he's he's necessarily like um on top of it as as much as he thinks he is and so i definitely want to like i felt i felt like that a lot during his last movie anomalisa like i just really didn't feel like a lot of the stuff he was trying to like reckon with he he necessarily like fully grasped and i don't i didn't feel that as much with this one but i also feel like again there's so much being tossed at you that it's tough to really like nail down everything catch every little thing yeah like every word or like every like meaning from every super long monologue basically that they have um and there definitely was a certain point in the middle where i was kind of like okay like i get it this is a (laughs) <laughs> this is a thinker <laughs> but um yeah I definitely need to watch it again and reevaluate because now with knowing what the general vibe of it was I can go back and really study it in that way and see if it works in that way but it's interesting because it's okay oh, I was gonna say we don't have to worry about spoiling it I, I feel like Grace is probably like I don't know what the hell they're talking about yeah I'm like what the <laughs> what is being said yeah. right now what am i listening to <laughs> yeah, i'm like the what, pig? Does that mean? what the fuck is the pig? oh you'll see <laughs> but it's I'm interesting sure, yeah. it's interesting because it's billed as a thriller horror which i thought was very interesting and everyone that i talked to that i that they're like hey have you seen this or like i'm thinking of watching this lol um we're basically like yeah it's like a horror movie and i was like okay yeah it's a horror movie and then I it, it was not a horror movie. Yeah, it's how I felt. Like I said it in the when we talked about it before, but like like the whole the whole dinner sequence with the with uh, his parents. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you should like hang out with like middle aged to older white people, and that's what it's like. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it's. Like. You know. Oh man. Go go to any church in southeast tennessee and you'll experience that it's the yeah like have a conversation with your grandpa i'll take uh, yeah we'll just take people to wednesday night services at a baptist church in you know like somewhere in tennessee and you'll experience that yeah it's a threat so if you is that a threat that's the horror comedy of the year as we take you to a a wednesday night church (laughs) service in in somewhere in tennessee and you have to endure white people pretend you know being like that but it's like the mac it's like what they actually are like it's not even like a character just that's what they're like so but one thing i will say just like the last note on this movie because it's just so fucking random and hard but um i really 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 enjoyed the cast the casting choices i felt were amazing um especially 
the main actress whose name is escaping me right now. Um, oh, it's, um, oh, it's Jesse Buckley. Jesse Buckley. Buckley, yeah. And Tony Collette and Jesse Plemons and um, David Thewlis, aka Professor Lupin. But um, Jesse Buckley, I actually saw a movie that she was in called um, Wild Rose or something like that. Wild Rose, and it was basically about um, <laughs> it was about her, and she was from. Dublin or Glasgow she's from Glasgow and she wanted to be a country singer um very badly and I'm not gonna spoil it but it was a <laughs> I did not go on my own free will to see this movie I'll just say but um uh, it was her acting was so phenomenal she really like her, the expression in her eyes and the way that she can just like capture those very small like emotional nuances of like the slight like I don't know like smarting of your eyes and stuff like that it was very engaging and very like convincing and I really I really enjoy this actress and I'm like seeing her break out with that country rose and then now she was in I'm thinking of ending things I'm just very excited to see where she goes next yeah I think that I think that the uh, the Wild Rose, I think that's on um, Hulu, and yeah, I, I saw that as well. It's a sweet movie. I I would recommend that if you haven't seen it. Yeah, it's yeah. very sweet. Cool. Yeah. Well, I... And I also recommend this one, obviously, but um, I would recommend being super blazered and watching it at night. That might confuse. That, that'll just like throw you off even more. So yeah, just do that. Yeah. <laughs> just let go. Just let go and let it take you, basically. Let go, let go. Uh, you had one other movie though that, that's on Netflix now that's a little bit spookier, you know, in the in the whole season. Yes. So, aiming for a horror movie, watched it comes at night, um, which again has a low <laughs> viewer score and a high Rotten Tomato score because it um, is it. Oh, God. <laughs> so, it's so funny to try to put this into into words because I did not hate it I really didn't hate it but I think that the movie had a real problem with the way that it was billed as a creature feature some sort of monster lurking in the woods that comes at night um and then it starts and this movie was made in 2017 and um it's about a post-apocalyptic world where the event was a disease that wiped out um coronavirus yeah it's it's very much like a survival in the woods kind of story this dad joel edgerton is like a very strict um survivalist and his wife and son are with him as well and it begins because their grand the grandfather has been infected and so they bring him out into the woods and, you know, do the, they, you know, do that bang in front of the grandson. And it just starts off. As you do. Yeah, of course. And it starts off brutal and it doesn't let up um, for a second, I would say. It is a very um, graphic, very hard. It, it, it's also cerebral in a way to where it's not a monster. That's in the woods. It's a disease. It's a sickness. And the it almost turns back on itself in a way that it's like, 
the real threat is inside in the fear um, that these people harbor and like their just desperation to hang on and live and survive. And at, at a certain point, it's like, what, how much of your humanity are you willing to risk or, you know, sacrifice to continue to live? And um, the ending was pretty fucking brutal. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything. It's on Netflix. And it's, it's beautifully shot. The woods are amazing. I love those like deep blues and deep greens. Um, but there were obvious, there was just a few tiny things that just like kind of didn't really make sense. Like it's not, I'm not asking for my hand to be held when I'm watching something like this, but some kind of like writing indication to just let me know like a little bit like what's going on instead of having to put the pieces together as best I can before I read the Wikipedia plot summary. You know what I mean? So um, I would recommend, it's definitely very unnerving and I recommend it, but be aware that it is not a monster movie. It's not a monster movie. And like, I, you know, I'm still, still thinking on what the hell they're talking about. Uh, what comes at night? Cause there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of shit to unpack there. <laughs> so pretty much your, your recent movie watching is just a bunch of stuff that includes a lot of shit to unpack. Yeah. Which I'm kind of like not too thrilled about, but I am still thinking about them and I'm talking about them right now. So, Hey, they, uh, they won I, this I, round. I'll say, all I'll say is if you want like a, as if you want a relaxer for the third time tonight, she be Halloween. I think you need a, a palate there's, cleanser. There's no point. thinking involved in that one. Oh, I love it. It's nice. Perfect. It's great. Nice. Cool. Um, nice. Well, that uh, like you said, that one's on Netflix. <laughs> um, before we, we wrap up part one, Grace, so we don't leave you out, is there anything you would like to talk about? Thank you. Yes, I have a couple things I'd like to talk about. Awesome. First of all, Nia, Nia and I, we run a film blog called Divine Cinema, S-I-N-E-M-A, Cinema, and we just... Um, have a, we have a new article out. This one is from me. It's on uh, the most perfect werewolf movie ever to be made. <laughs> Sorry, American Werewolf in London. Um, but, or, yeah, it's uh, Ginger Snaps from 2000. It is phenomenal. It's two teen girls against the world. Um, Ginger uh, is attacked by something one night. Um, I won't say what it is, but I mean, maybe you can guess. Um, and she undergoes some changes, not just puberty, but some very, some very serious and scary changes. I wonder. Um, it's a lot of fun. You can watch Ginger Snaps on Amazon Prime right now. I think it's, I think it's just watch with your subscription. You don't have to pay for it. Um, I just wanted to plug that really quick, but um, is it is it like a is it like a kind of like a fun spooky movie where it's it, not like overly scary well, or is it like so scary? It's it's definitely not scary. Um, it is more um, graphic. Um, definitely a monster movie. Um, I would say it's not even spooky and it's not even horror. Um, I would I would like put it in the same category that you would put something like the craft 
or like Jennifer's body, like I would group it with those. Um, cause they're not scary. They're fun and edgy and like, you know, girl power, like G R R R R R L power. Um, it's a lot of fun. I, I love that movie so much. Um, I just wanted to give a shout to us, sort of explain. Yeah. I forgot to plug. Yeah. Come on. Like people listening just think we're two random strangers. Two random hotties. Yeah. Two random hot bimbos. fucking like, awesome. Just here to talk about movies. We are that. Oh, that's what they think of us all here. You know, <laughs> we are that. We are exactly but that. Right. Too. Um, but my, my two first watches were actually Seven and The Green Room. I'm not really going to talk about Seven because, like, what, who am I to have, like, thoughts and comments on Seven? What else is there to be said? I, it was good. It was abrupt. Very <laughs> abrupt. I feel like I crashed all the way through it. Like just, like, just put my face, like, through a window. That's how abrupt it was. Um, oh, David Fincher. It was good. I liked how cramped every shot felt all the way up until the end when they're, like, out in, the, out in like, the desert or whatever. Like, that was a nice... I'm sure that was deliberate. I'm sure somebody's said so much about that more eloquently than I can. But um, my other watch was The Green Room, and that was... The, I think that was 2017. That's from A24 as well. Uh, not as well as 7. Mia, I think you said It Comes at Night is A24. Is that right? Yes, I believe so. Um, yeah. And um, this one has Anton Yelich, Rest in Peace. Is it Aliyah or Aliyah Shawkat? I feel oh, bad. I, think I can't it's say her first name. Aliyah. I think it's Aliyah Shawkat. Aliyah yeah. Shawkat okay. and. Uh, Imogen Poots. <laughs> Great name. Poots. Love it. They're all in it. Um, Lia Shawkat and Anton Yelich are part of a punk band. Do not call them a punk band, though, because that's like, like, <laughs> don't ask them if they're punk is what I'm saying. Like, don't ask their band if they're punk. They are, but just don't ask. Um, they get a gig. Listen to me like I'm in the band. They get a gig. Um, in at this um white supremacist neo-nazi dive bar um it happens it happens to the best of us they are promised like 350 bucks can't really pass that up um so just to like you know let everyone in the bar know what they're about they play nazi punks fuck off because fuck you but i'll still take your money um, and they see something that they shouldn't have seen, and then they are fighting for their lives to get out of this dive bar. It's also worth mentioning with this movie that the leader of the Patrick yeah Stewart. the neo Nazis is Patrick Stewart, which is kind of a throw off. Sir, Sir Patrick Stewart, and he was great in it. I mean, like, what is he gonna do? Be bad in a movie? Forget about it. It'll never happen. He was fantastic. It's a strange seeing him as a neo-Nazi. It was. It was also, like, I'm not going to lie. It was also, so, it, it was It was really strange. It was strange to see such, like, a like a more sinister side from, like, a quietly sinister side from him. Um, he has the range. He has the talent. He can do it. It's just <laughs> I'm used to seeing him, 
you know, as Charles Xavier, like, you know, I'm not going to put on airs for you guys. I'm used to seeing him in X-Men movies. Like, (laughs) uh, (laughs) so, so it was, it was strange. It was unnerving. And, um, it, it was a very good movie. We, we talked through it when I watched it with my friends, which we shouldn't have. Cause then we had to like go back and like figure out what we missed. Uh, but it was very good. I would recommend that if you want to have a movie to talk about, I would not recommend seven. If you want to have a movie to talk about again, it's been done to death. Everybody has opinions on it. Uh, go watch the green room. That's more fun. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back talking about Hocus Pocus in part two. Stick around. Hey, Cemetery listeners. Andrew here. At the midpoint of this week's episode, I want to direct you to some of the non-podcasty things we have to offer. First, if you're a fan of what we do, please consider supporting us on Patreon. For $5 a month, you get three things. A shout-out at the end of every episode, the opportunity to choose a movie we cover on the show, and our Patreon-exclusive podcast, Film Theory and Chill, in which we look at a piece of theory once a month, deconstruct it, and then just chill out, talking about whatever else we have going on. All Patreon support goes solely to paying our writers for their reviews that go up on our website every Monday. Also, at the bottom of Cinematary.com, you can sign up for our free newsletter. Every Sunday, we send out an email with the latest podcast episode, Patreon content, and written reviews. This is perfect for those who want to keep tabs on what's happening, but might be too busy to see the posts when they go up. Before I go, one more quick thing. The easiest thing you can do to support us is to give Cinematary a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the show. This is quick, free, easy, and we will read your review out on the show once we get it. To recap, consider donating to our Patreon, sign up for the free newsletter, and please give us a rating and review. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. I on you. Good joke. Happy Halloween. Thanks a lot. No, man, I'm serious. You got to end your Episode 321 of Cinematary. In this part, we'll be continuing our Horror for Kids series with 1993's Hocus Pocus, directed by Kenny Ortega from a script by Neil Cuthbert and Mick Garris. The film stars Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy Najimy, um, uh, Omri Katz, and Vanessa Shaw. After moving to Salem, Massachusetts, teenager Max Dennison explores an abandoned house with his sister Danny and their new friend Allison. After dismissing a story Allison tells as superstitious, Max accidentally frees a coven of evil witches who used to live in the house. Now, with the help of a magical cat, the kids must steal the witch's book of spells to stop them from becoming immortal. What a what a plot line. Um, in the night... <laughs> 
1994 TV documentary Hocus Pocus Begin the Magic, and on the film's Blu-ray release, producer David Kirchner said he came up with the idea for the film one night. He and his daughter were sitting outside. His neighbor's black cat strayed by. Kirchner invented a tale of how the cat was once a boy who was changed into a feline 300 years ago by three witches. Hocus Pocus started life as a script by Mick Garris that was bought by Walt Disney Pictures in 1984. The film's working title was Disney's Halloween House and was much darker and scarier, and its protagonists were all 12-year-olds. Garris and Kirshner pitched it to Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment, and Spielberg went in when Spielberg saw that Disney... Uh, was involved. He he viewed them as a competitor to Amblin in the family film market at the time and refused to co-produce a picture with his, quote, rival. At a D23 panel celebrating the film's 20th anniversary, Kirshner told the crowd that to really sell the idea to Disney, they set the mood by having executives walk into a dark room with witches' brooms and a vacuum cleaner hanging from the ceiling and 15 pounds of candy corn, which sounds like probably most Disney board meetings, uh, you know, if, if I had to take my guess. Uh, various rewrites were made to the script to make the film more comedic and made two of its young protagonists into teenagers. However, production was stalled several times until 1992 when Bette Midler expressed interest in the script and and the project immediately went forward. Midler, who plays the central antagonist of the film, originally written for Cloris Leachman, is quoted as saying that Pocus Pocus, quote, was the most fun I've ever had, I've had in my career up to that point. Uh... The the infamous Leo, Leo DiCaprio was originally offered the lead role of Max, but declined it in order to pursue what's eating Gilbert Grape. Quote, I don't know where the... Yeah, I don't... Quote, I don't know where the hell I got the nerve, he told Variety about the decision. You live in an, in an environment where you're influenced by people telling you to make a lot of money and strike while the iron's hot. But if there's one thing I'm very proud of, it's being a young man who is sticking to my guns. Midler told People in 2018 that she hadn't seen the film since its premiere uh, until its recent 25th anniversary, saying, quote, I watched it the other night, the night before the 25th anniversary, because I said, you know what, I better look at this again. So I watched it, and I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was so funny. The first time I watched it, I was only watching myself, but this time I saw everybody. And I tell you, those girls in the back, they were going they were going full blast. They were giving me a run for my money. The kids were great. Everybody was great. On the flip side, Sarah Jessica Parker told Stephen Colbert on The Late Show that she does not remember much about this movie, saying, uh, I don't have a lot of memories. I remember the filming of it. I just don't remember what the movie's about as much. Apparently, my character's not very bright, but apparently I fly and sing, and I think I like to suck the life or kill children. I liked making the movie, and I loved flying. You know, it happens. Uh, th- I found this to be a fun fact. Hocus Pocus was the first Disney film ever to use the word virgin. And as I told Ash before the recording, they flew with that. Because they, they call this poor, you know, 15-year-old boy a virgin 80 times, it seems like, in this movie. They just really hammer it home with him. Um, the film was a, that was not a critical or commercial success upon its release, possibly losing Disney around $16.5 million during its theatrical run. However, largely through annual airings on Disney Channel in Freeform, formerly ABC Family, Hocus Pocus has been rediscovered by audiences, resulting in a yearly spike in home video sales of the film every Halloween season that have helped uh, helped make it a cult classic. Uh, Even this year, in 2020, Hocus Pocus is the top box office film of the year in terms of re-releases, beating both The Empire Strikes Back and the original Jurassic Park. So, it's in theaters now, if you want to go check it out. Um... But don't, because there's a pandemic. There's a pandemic. Do not go to the movie theater. 
Um, the New York Times in 1993 said, apparently too much eye of Newt got into the formula for Hocus Pocus, transforming a potentially wicked Brett Midler vehicle into an unholy mess. That's too bad since Miss Midler's appearance in a role like the one she has here could have been pure witchcraft. The Hollywood Reporter in 1993 said, even when the plot bobs for story apples too long, director Kenny Ortega's nimble narrative choreography propels it along. Hocus Pocus is always fast on its feet, in large part because of the of the Horia Plum of Mid, uh, Midler, Parker, and Najimi. And Roger Ebert in 1993 said, Watching Hocus Pocus, I had no doubt that the filmmakers had t- uh, talked their way through the plot to their own satisfaction without stopping to ask if it could be followed by an audience. This is the kind of movie where the characters keep reciting the rules and reminding each other of their supernatural realities, shrieking an alarm while we staring differently at the screen. On that note... Let's talk a little bit about Hocus Pocus. Um, like I said at the top, Grace and Nia, you, you both are are Hocus Pocus scholars, um, or at least you're going to own that title for the for the next thirty or so minutes. Um, so I'm going to start with the two of y'all. What is uh what is your history with the movie, and um, you know, kind of rewatching it now? You know, how how are you approaching it in in 2020? So this is one that I watched all the time on Disney probably from about like the fourth grade on. So I definitely, it was a really big part of my childhood. I definitely have nostalgia glasses and I will not take them off. It's too good. It's too comfortable. Feels so right. Um, I love Bet in this. I, you can really tell that she is just having just a fucking blast. Um, at, at every second, I had a huge crush on Thackeray Binks as the boy and as the cat. Um, yes. Let me share that. So cute. And then I also had a crush on the um, the singer in the band in his, like, skeleton makeup. Yeah. You know, when he points at that Midler, there's no nicer witch than you. It's like, oh, my goodness. So from then on, like, if ever we played, like, Sanderson Sisters, I'm like, I'm Winnie. I get to be Winnie. So I I love this movie, everything about this movie. It's so fun. It definitely scared me as a kid. Um, I was terrified of Billy Butcherson. I adore this movie. Watching it now, like, I, I don't even think that I, like, fully sat down and watched it. I think I was, like, doing other stuff. I had it on, and I'm just, like, I'm, like, vacuuming my floor. I'm, like, singing along. I'm, like doing dishes I'm singing along you know like I just it's so in me yeah I definitely pick up on that nostalgia factor it's not like like to me it's definitely not like a reoccurring childhood type of thing but I've always known about it I've always appreciated it it's like for me at least my um Halloween movie was always and will always be the nightmare before Christmas and I feel like they are in the same vein of just scary enough for like these are obviously for children you know so it's like just scary enough to kind of unnerve you but still silly enough to where you are laughing and singing and having a good time and it's always just been like a holiday staple and um the (laughs) something that I thought I also have had always had a crush on Thackeray but I hate honestly that his name is Thackeray as if not Zachary that was some it kind of, be yeah, Zachary. What's the deal? yeah why I is mean, his name Thackeray it's, it's, 
don't know what they were trying to go for with some kind of um like 1800s um pilgrim names but i mean zachary is sitting right there but whatever and um but then like what if they would call him zach that feels like i don't know like zachary I just imagine Bink. like Dan- i just imagine danny being like zach zach instead of binks and it's just it's not the same like if his name was zachary then like the zach nickname is right there too right i don't know they could have called him thack i don't know yeah it's like it sounds like he has a list you know they could have worked with it horrible but also i think that it's so fun that the person that plays um billy butcherson is doug jones who is um literally the um the um the fish man in shape of water and then also i'm blanking on the name i want to say abe samson or samian yeah abe samson from hellboy hellboy but then also he plays the um he's he's like the fawn in pan's labyrinth the fawn and then what's the eyeless guy the pale guy pale um yeah the pale the pale man yeah so i just really adore him and everything and um besides that hocus pocus has just i mean it's such a like specifically millennial thing that i feel like our it's our generation that grew up on the disney original movies that i just feel like um it really speaks to us it's like definitely just a surefire like rocket ship ride to your childhood and I'm never watching it to critique it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just always watching it just for the Halloween spooky vibes. Yeah. I definitely want to go back to the point, um, the Disney Channel original movie point, uh, in a little bit, just because of its connections to that. But um, but first, Ash, Ash, what did you make of, uh, of Hocus Pocus watching it for the first time? You know, <laughs> I thought it was a good movie. <laughs> I um... thought it was a great movie. so like i watched it like pretty stoned and i had to like take notes to kind of follow what was going on (laughs) a little bit (laughs) i just imagine you like with a notepad like they're they're, they're back i did pick up that they were telling me he was a virgin a lot but like um (laughs) I just like looking through my notes. There's just so much funny stuff in this movie. Like it's a very funny movie. I do remember like um it's goofy. Like just wanting to write down every funny thing that happened so that I wouldn't forget it. But um uh like there's that one moment where he gets reminded that he's a virgin because um there's like the the guy dressed as a cop (laughs) and the guy is like um it like the sister's just like ah like we released some witches and he lit the candle and he's a virgin and this like big buff guy dressed as a cop like pulls him to the side he's like hey man you really a virgin? You're like, what the fuck is going on like, what here? Kind of a cop, what kind of a cop is this? 
Yeah. Was... Like, yeah, they're like 15 years old. The Virgin Police. <laughs> yeah. Virgin horny, police. Horny police. Horny police. Horny police. Damn it. Um, it was really wild. And I thought it was hilarious, like, how the cat talked. Um, <laughs> like, I know he's supposed to be, like, 1800s and shit. But, like, for some reason, I was like, <laughs> he's not talking like a cat. Like... Well, can I just to add to that? So the you know, speaking of like like Doug Jones being in stuff that you know of, the guy who not the actor who plays Thackeray, but the the voice actor who does the cat's voice is Haku from Spirited Away. If you watch Whoa. the dubbed version, he he yes. also is Max in the Goofy movie. Wait, um, seriously? Had a crush on Max too. He is. That's why and I if, had a crush. <laughs> there you go. And it and if you've played Skyrim, he has a lot of voices of characters in Skyrim. God, so I there you go. Okay, so the, the kid doesn't voice the cat? No, it's it's yeah. different actors. The 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 cat is... Isn't the kid Is that one of the Is that Colin Hanks? No, he's on like I think no? he's on some um He's on like some. Cut this out! Cut this out! I don't want people hearing me. No, stupid like this. He's on a really <laughs> random show, like a serialized crime, like CSI something or other, or one of those things. Anyway, sorry, sorry right. to, to right. tangent you, but I, I, because I, I, I kept listening to the damn cat, and I was like, that voice sounds super familiar, and then I was like, oh, it's Haku from Spirit Away. <laughs> That's a bonkers. That's so wild. Yeah, but like I thought it was. Um... I thought it was really funny and like I've only seen a couple of honestly like I didn't have Disney Channel and so I didn't watch a lot of Disney Channel movies growing up like maybe like one or two and they're all like I sort of knew Disney Channel movies to be like pretty cheesy and I mean maybe I was just like stoned and this actually is really cheesy but like I thought it was really funny and also it's pretty dark sometimes is like um like it was kind of hilarious and also a little dark when she was like ah yes my book it was gifted to me by the devil himself and it's bound in human skin and I was like shit girl <laughs> yeah this so I'll, I'll be honest this was my first time watching it for this this podcast and it did not did not really go for me um, but it, I, I think me, I agree with your point. Cause like for me, my, my touchstone, this is the, the Halloween spooky movie I watch every year is the nightmare before Christmas, which is a movie that I objectively cannot. No, it's a Halloween movie. Dude, that's a it's, Christmas it's, it's, movie. <laughs> it's, it's the by Halloween ho- holiday movie. You can go, you can go either way or you can go both, you know, it's just whatever you want to do. Uh, but but like that one, I can't objectively like look at it as like, a, is this is this a you know a, is this a good movie or bad movie? Like I just can't I can't really quantify it in that way. And so I feel like with this one, it's very much like under that. Like it's a difficult movie to like sit there, um, especially now and like assess like as a movie. Because I'll be honest, if you do it that way, it's a pretty shitty movie. Um, but I can, but I can understand a lot of the, the nostalgia, um, built around it. I mean, it, the guy who directed it, Kenny Ortega, um, is the, is the 
director of uh, the High School Musical movies and a number of other like Disney Channel uh, original movies. And so I feel like, as you said, like um, you know, there is this this soft spot for just you know not all of them, but a lot of the Disney Channel original movies like High School Musical and Halloween Town, and we can sit here and just name a, a, a gazillion of them, but. Um, it's you know this this guy seems to be kind of the you know one of the the figureheads of those types of movies and so with that being said I can I can understand you know I was thinking before we we, we you know recorded what you know what about this movie strikes um, so much nostalgia with folks and I think that that's probably the best reasoning is that it just kind of it seems like the the ground zero for a lot of the nostalgia movies um, for for people in our age range. That pure good Disney vibe. So I nothing hurt. Yeah, it was easier. Life was easier. I feel like it was easier, and all of these things like they are full of. I'm thinking of like High School Musical, and also this guy is in charge of the the Descendants, which is basically Monster High, but it's Disney, and it is huge right now and so it's just it's they're dramatic but not like actual real life <laughs> drama it's the kind of like silly relationship drama that we all want a little bit disneyfied so like something that i thought was sort of interesting about this movie was like when i was watching it at first like when you're first um introduced to um like uh the max character and um he makes this like really kind of like cringy entrance he's like uh oh what does he say oh he says halloween was invented by the uh candy fact or like candy factories to like sell halloween cards and and capitalism like made halloween yeah and then she just like owns him in front of the class and he's like well in case Jimi hendrix shows up ha 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 and like hands her his number or whatever and you're just like oh my (laughs) god dude and it's just like and then she hands it back i know i love that but just like the whole thing about him he's like a new student from california and they just do like every single california cliche which at first i was like wow they're just really going for it but then they like keep it consistent with like the parents too and it was actually really hilarious i thought the way that like when he comes in um oh what does the dad say um Oh, yeah. He, like, comes in from school, and uh, those guys have just, like, stolen his shoes. And he, like, comes in and runs upstairs because he's pissed off. And uh, his mom's like, he wasn't wearing any shoes. And his dad's like, I don't know. It must be some protest thing. And it's just, like, just, like, fucking killing it with the, uh, um, just, like, Elevating the cliche to the next level. I loved it. You're, you're, 
You're also forgetting the the wonderful line, which is, what are you dressed up as? And, and Max says, a rap singer, to which his dad replies, oh, that hat's got to be a little bit sideways, <laughs> oh, yeah. and then like moves his hat over. And, and I was like, god cool. damn, white people. It was really good. <laughs> I like how Max just is a tie-dye shirt, like tie-dye shirt. I don't think he's wearing a jacket. Everybody's wearing black and orange or with some kind of jacket he's from california you know he's just different he's built different (laughs) built different he's just different um i feel like though you know regardless of literally every other character in this movie i feel like the the main part of this though is the the three the three witches um bet midler uh oh shoot what's the what's the sarah jessica parker and and uh and uh kathy najimi like those three i feel like those that's kind of when people talk about hocus pocus that's what they're kind of focused on um and i'll and i'll admit that like like bet midler have like you can tell as she said this is you know one of my favorite roles but you can also tell just through her performance like she's having the time of her life with this thing um I mean, for for y'all, what what uh, what sticks out about these performances from the the three witches? Oh, the I need to say first of all, the "I put a spell on you" from Bette Midler was just so perfect. Um, yeah, and Bette Midler, I mean, like, is a powerhouse. Like, she could do anything, and she's the perfect villainous witch without going too far into like the literal, like, the witch territory. Um, and I just love how they're three distinct... Personalities, yeah. Witches? Completely different. <laughs> yeah, they're three distinct... Um, stylistically, size-wise, everything. There's some body diversity there, which is very nice. Yes, and I love how it's, like, the conniving one, like, the leader, and then, like, the silly, goofy one, and then, like, the pretty, ditzy one. And I just have never seen that before in a portrayal of a witch, I guess. But um, it was just, it was just funny. It was just great. I love the costume. It was such a perfect like '90s moment there. Um, I I really felt like Sarah Jessica Parker was kind of like undercover heat, like as far as like comedy goes. I felt like I felt I felt like. I felt like I laughed more at what she said and like more what Catherine Najimi said. Like um, when Sarah Jessica Parker or when Sarah, her character, Sarah Sanderson, when Sarah Sanderson is sitting on the bus driver's lap, like that that bus driver is just in love with her and she's sitting on his lap. Oh my God. (laughs) He's letting her steer the bus and she's honking the horn and when they get off, she's like, oh, I have to go. And he's like, no, you could stay. And she goes, thou wouldst hate me in the morning because she's going to be, like, ugly. And the guy goes, no, I wouldn't. Like, she sets him up for that. She Like, they're so cute. She's so funny, like, yelling amok, you know, amok, 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 amok. Amok, amok. <laughs> yes. Cute and, like, definitely very ditzy. Definitely, like, you know, a hot, pretty girl. But, like... Also, very funny, like not just ditzy in like an annoying way, like ditzy in a very like funny and clever way. Because I mean, like she got her sisters hanged. She yelled out, "We're sucking the lives out of innocent children!" Like, girl, read the room. Like, we're we're trying to keep that undercover. I think it was mentioned before, but like that's one of the things that is kind of striking about this movie is that it doesn't really tamp down on 
Like, it, it doesn't go, like, dark, but it also, like, threads the line a little bit. Like, it's not super pacified. Like, <laughs> there's, the whole plot of it is these three witches are like, we're going to kidnap and kill some kids. And you're like, yeah, oh, like, Jesus. Like, in the age of QAnon, that seems like a questionable decision. But uh, here we are. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I respected that about it because it's just, it, it really does, like, lean into just the, you know, the, the most witch qualities of these three witches. They're bad. Like, they curse the parents to dance until they die of, I guess, exhaustion and dehydration. Like, they don't care. They want what they want, and they want to be young and beautiful forever. So parents are dead. Kids are dead. That's scary. But it's also, like, funny and cute because it's just, like, me and my sisters trying to get young. <laughs> It has those fairy tale qualities where you're supposed to learn something or face the consequences. Yeah, the 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 kind of modern example I was thinking about was um the the Leica Studios movie Paranorman. I mean, yeah. I'll be honest, I would prefer to watch Paranorman oh, over this, that. but yeah. but it's it, it but they both have very similar storylines where it's kind of melding like this um you know, the 16th, 17th, uh, century, uh, you know, witchcraft, uh, you know, where it, it molds like a storyline, a narrative from there and brings it into present day. Like, I, I feel like those are both, uh, they're both kind of going along the same narrative path. Um, but that's, that's when I was thinking about while watching this. Paranorman has stuck with me for a long, long time. I really enjoyed that movie. Super good. I, um, one thing that I thought was really strange in this movie, but I mean, was it just me? But were the brother and sister relationships just like weird? Um, I mean, like maybe. I mean, when Danny was like pretending to be Allison, that was like I know that was she was just being like a playful little kid, but that was, that was a decision. <laughs> that, that was a choice. I'm Allison. I'm Allison. Kiss me. I'm Allison. Like that's. I feel like that's just kidding um, around with your sibling, though. Like teasing. Yeah. But like. Yeah. I just like at the end when um I don't know I guess it's just like funny because like the the cat who who is like a a boy. You know, he's been stuck as a cat for, like, over 300 years. So, like, I guess I just thought he would talk more like a 300-year-old cat and, like, less like a little boy who, like, just lost his sister, like, yesterday. Although, I guess... Wait. Sorry, I just like got confused and was like, was he gone with the candle and then the candle bring him back? But no, he had been alive that whole time. No, he was chilling for 300 years. Yeah, that's insane. Like, I just like the way that he's like, man, protect your sister. Like, she's the most precious thing in the world, you know? And then at the end, he like, he like prances off into the sunset with his little sister. And it's like, man... Like, I know that it must have been really, like, traumatic for you to lose your little sister and everything, but, like... <laughs> Be a cat for 300 if years. I were, if I were a cat for 300 years, I would be, like, man, fuck my sister. Like, 
I've been a cat for 300 years. Let's go like, get drunk. Let me die. Let's go get drunk and let me die already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the way he was like, the way he was like, <laughs> man, I thought I'd work that time. <laughs> you just like hear the despair in him. When he gets hit by the bus and deflates in the middle. Under the bus. Throw himself under the bus. Also, in the, like, in the beginning section, when it's, like, the 18th century or whatever. Jesus. <laughs> um, whenever he turns into yeah. a cat and he goes and tries to, like, know. meow at his dad. And his dad just kicks him away. <laughs> he's like, like away, you. beast. I, I also like, just, like, how immediate, like... It, like, the movie opens really well, just that whole opening sequence that's set, um, you know, back when, when like, the whole curse and everything happens. Uh, it, it I, I felt it is really successful in the way it just kind of completely tosses you into, like, this folklore. Um, I also like that they, like, steal the sister and, like, run off into the woods. Um, and it takes them forever to finally, like, get to the witch's house. And I'm like, I don't know. It seemed like it was just, like, a little beyond the trees. Like, it wasn't, like, a whole uh, a whole path. It was, uh, um, but I don't, yeah, it, it I, I, I enjoyed that it really, um, it really, it, it really did like n- not tamp down a lot of the. It like really leaned into the witches thing, which I feel like is you know as much as it kind of can feel like a like a Disney Channel movie, which is you know not always my favorite thing. I I do respect it for doing that because I don't feel like like if if this was made, if this was made today, or even if they made they make like the sequel that they keep saying that they're gonna be making, I don't feel like it's gonna like it, it's gonna have like that. A little that little edge it kind of had even even like the zombie character and things of that nature like kind of have this little bit of an edge to him that feels a little bit outside the lines of like what a typical typical disney movie today would look like and so um i think it does kind of stand a little bit ahead of of recent stuff with with both uh, uh, as the as the two hocus pocus fans would you like to see a sequel as they keep talking about <laughs> no i really wouldn't yeah, I'm. I'm still just like thinking about what you said, and I like definitely agree. There's no way they could toe the same sort of line. People aren't scared by the same things anymore. Like, I was terrified when Billy Butcherson like rose out of his grave, and then the like him chasing after Max, and no, like that was all really scary for me. So like, I don't think anything like that would ever scare like a Zoomer. Like, would. Wouldn't have the same effect. Oh yeah, no. I feel like the 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 purity. Yeah, the purity. Um, I don't think you can duplicate, and I don't think you should duplicate. I think that um, we should just let it lie, let it be what it is, let it like be a um, I guess marker of time going forward. Yeah. Well. Well, I I mean, I think I think in terms of like it, it is this it's very much like this nostalgia movie so it's like no it's not going to cross over necessarily to to a different generation because it's so like 
beholden to to the millennial generation but but also i don't think like i don't i don't see disney making a movie so ripe with like the like what we're describing like the amount of innuendo or even like just the the witch like the fact that it's that people are like really like you know shelling out to go see this today with like the amount of like witchcraft talk i'm like i feel like you know that's not you're gonna again you're gonna have like these these like this whole like strange family audience thing that they're like oh we can't have like these three these three witch characters just openly talking about like satanism as much as they do in this movie um especially like in a disney product like i just don't see the studio allowing any of that to happen even though that seems like trivial i'm like i don't see i just yeah, don't see I that totally happening in that. like a like a modern disney movie and also the themes of like protecting your siblings i feel like it's just not even remotely um on the radar of <laughs> what's going on and i feel like that's the whole point of the movie they wouldn't have the weird the weird brother sister relationship to creep out so. <laughs> yeah i mean it was just funny because i felt like there were so many weird vibes to me in the movie like uh, i feel like maybe that's just the whole thing about like like i didn't know how old these characters were like how old was Max and like um, Allison? Like fit like fifteen. Yeah, it was just funny. Uh, it was just funny. They like, you know, the first thing that the sister says is like, "Oh, Allison, he likes your yabos." I was like, "What?" Oh, <laughs> I was like, it, "You know, if you were a dude, you would just like not recover from that." And he's just like, hey, do you want to go to a graveyard? And it's just like, oh, <laughs> Jesus. Like, my guy is way too horny. And then they spend the night together. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Risque. I mean, that dude's, got a, that dude's got a drum set. Did you not see him when he, like, did his little drum routine? Where oh, was, listen, yes. Yeah. I also teach him that little riff there, that fill, that drum fill. I also loved when um, (laughs) after uh, um, the sister told the bully guys to like fuck off, um, Max was like, you just embarrassed me in front of all the guys at school. And it was just like, <laughs> okay, like, she's your little sister, dude. Like, calm down. And also, that guy's referring to himself ice. as Ice. So, oh like, my don't God. feel, don't feel like too bad. Yeah. We're talking about him. Yeah, these are the guys you need to worry about. Max from California. That's so funny. Like, I kind of, like, yeah, the brother-sister relationship at times was weird, but, like, I, there were like moments of like just like wholesome goodness, like where he apologizes to her for being mean. Um, and when they go trick or treating at like what turned out to be Allison's house, like they're sort of doing like a candy tour. Oh, that was wild. I thought that was really cute. And I, so I have an older brother, and like I would watch Hocus Pocus, and like part of me would kind of wish for like that sort of a relationship, like just that, like the like brother apologizing and then like the two of like the two of us just being like goofy sweet and like friends 
Um, I'm not, I'm not saying that like my brother and I are not friends and this isn't me like talking about my family drama, but like seeing that and you're like, Oh, that's really cool. Like they're a older brother and younger sister combo. Like I can relate to this and I feel like I'm Danny. So then it feels a little more powerful. Like, Oh, I'm fighting witches on Halloween with my brother. I can't wait. Yeah. I definitely feel that speaking as someone that doesn't have any siblings, I always imagined that that was like what having siblings was, especially just because there's a lot of movies in the same kind of uh, same kind of way where it's like you be nice to your fucking little sister or your little brother or else like they're going to die or something like yeah. that. Yes. Um, and so I, I guess I just didn't pick up on like the weird vibes from it because it's like I thought you were supposed to like be kind and like sweet and like nice with your sibling. I don't know. <laughs> I guess so. And clearly, you know, according to Ash, they're they're very, very kind to one another. A little too kind. Yo, don't insinuate. <laughs> don't insinuate. <laughs> okay. Uh any final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, the devil scene, sick. The party. I wanna get in there. No, the scene with Penny and Gary Marshall where like she, where he's the devil and she's Medusa because of the snakes in her hair. I thought that was yes, amazing. amazing. I was kind of like that plays. See, see that plays in the, into the whole like weird brother sister thing because they're brother and sister and they play a married couple in this movie. <laughs> but that's a whole you know. Oh whoa! Oh, it's actually a conspiracy. <laughs> Yikers on that! Opened up something. Sorry. We're about to get some emails from Disney, I think. I'll gladly take those. Um, sorry, I interrupted you, though. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I just um, have always wanted to make a Halloween costume as beautiful and eclectic as these freaking costumes in this movie. And I don't think I'll ever attain that. So <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. it's just Great set design. Like, the, like the, the witch's hut and stuff. Like, yeah. The hut, yeah, the house. Nice. Well, I guess it's in theaters if you want to go brave, brave the pandemic to go see Hocus Pocus, which is probably widely available in other streaming platforms. Um, at the at the movie theater, it's there. So, check it out there. Um, all right. Well, that will wrap up this episode of Cinematary. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/cinematary, on Twitter and Instagram at handle at cinematary and on letterbox at letterbox.com slash cinematary where we post all the movies that we talked about in this episode uh also th- thank you to our patrons patreon.com slash cinematary we have a new uh some new options up there if you would like to support us thank you to cam chad newsome christina daughtry cindy, cindy roberts harry eskin hell yes yeah, small world joe jordan maggie ron hayes the kittiest of kittens titus arthur Tyler Chandler and Whitney Rio Ross, thank you so much for your patronage. Next week, we will be continuing our Horror for Kids series with 1998 Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. Oh, and, uh, so we're going to be joined by a massive Scooby Doo fan. Um, we're going to be joined by another scholar, I think, <laughs> I uh, Logan Kinney. So it should be a fun one. Hell yeah. Um, that if you. And be sure to, to, you know, we're still in spooky season, so we had we had Beetlejuice last week, and then we had the uh, the Oz, uh, yeah, the Oz duo of Wizard of Oz and Return to Oz uh, for for the series so far. So please head back and listen to those. You can find them on Cinematary.com. But thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. Mm-hmm.